Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I am Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It is the 23rd of December, so it's Christmas Eve Eve. Lots of interaction today on our uh, on our little text line. So if you want to communicate with me, you just do so by texting pretty much anything you want to 877-933-2484. Um, I will say uh, to those of you who are using your phone to... Like, instead of sending me a text, you're trying to send me an email. I don't think that's working. I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> um, that's not working so good today. So um, so go ahead and just send us a text at 877-933-2484. Thank you to everybody checking in. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to each and every um, one of you. And uh, I shared that I went to the Nutcracker yesterday afternoon with my granddaughter and my husband. And um, and there's a friend who says, hey, I actually have a niece who was performing in that production of The Nutcracker at uh, the Tennessee uh, Performing Arts Center. So how cool is that? I know. It's such a small world, right? It's like really a family here. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am reminded during this season, um, because you know, we hear the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, very, very frequently, um, I'm reminded of the Great Commission. I'm reminded that we are the people commissioned to go and tell. And it's not just for the people who have mountains near them. Like, go tell it on the mountain means everywhere all the time. Go tell it. Um, Share the good news of great joy for all people. If, you know, if God calls you to go, which he has, then go. Um, And as you go, share the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of great joy for all people. And no, they don't all know it yet. Um, It occurs to me that as we read through the narrative of uh, the birth of Christ and his early years, it is a story that is filled with risk and danger and evil intent and God's protective provision, but for some, not for all. Um, It's just, it's a fascinating drama and it's unfolding, it continues to unfold in the context of human history as Christians make known the gospel to others. Which, which brings me uh, to the story of these missionaries who had been kidnapped in Haiti in October. Twelve of them were still being held, and we now know that they were not released, that they escaped. And so this past Sunday, for three hours, one of those missionaries spoke at a church in Pennsylvania, and it was recorded, and the Associated Press got a copy of um, that testimony. And in it, we learn... Um, we learn a lot about the experience of the missionaries, and we learn a lot about um, their release. It is amazing that what the Associated Press chooses to lead with, um, and here's the, here's the headline, Missionary Hostages Forgive Haiti Gang, sang Psalm 34. 
So what are people going to be Googling? They're going to be Googling Psalm 34. Um, and so we don't know the name. We don't know their names. Like notable is that in the headline and nowhere will you find these people's names. And they're not trying to get, you know, on. Well, they're not. They're not taking invitations to be covered in headline news. They're they're bearing witness in churches, little churches in kind of the middle of nowhere. And what are they doing? They are testifying to who Jesus is. They are testifying to God's goodness and grace in Jesus Christ. They are testifying um, that Jesus is the one who, you know, ultimately paid the ransom for each and every one of us, that we owe him glory, um, and that we owe those who hold us captive, we owe them the same forgiveness that we have, um, that we have enjoyed. Freely we have received, therefore we freely give. They celebrate that they're finally free, um, and they, and they talk about um, how they escaped, they were then, um, oh, which I love this part. I do love this part of the story. So they walk. They're using stars to guide the direction that they're walking, which, you know, this is definitely the time of year. You know, following stars is, you know, kind of part of the story. Um, and they are praying that God would lead them to somewhere safe from which they could, you know, make a phone call, like, right, to let <laughs> let the United States know, hey, hey, we're here. Come get us. So they hear the sound of trumpets, and it is two people rehearsing Christmas music for a church service in the middle of the night. And so they follow the sound of those trumpets, confident that when they arrive, they will find Christians. And that's exactly what happened. These two Christians were practicing um, playing their trumpets for an upcoming service of worship at a church. And... Um, let them use a phone, and from there they got in touch ultimately with the U.S. Coast Guard who flew them out, um, and they were rejoined with their families back here in the United States. It's just amazing. God is so good. Let us be sure that we are testifying to his presence, his provision, his goodness, his grace, um, even as wise men still seek him today and people, um, gosh, we don't want them just following stars. We want them following the star of Bethlehem to the one who is the very light of the world. We're going to talk with Dr. Peter Kapsner next. I'm going to lead off with a story about Christmas lights. Have you hung up your Christmas lights? I love Christmas lights. We'll be right back. I just, uh, Peter, Peter, first of all, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Carmen. I know. So uh, for those of you who don't know Peter Kapsner, um, wow, every once in a while I should like formally introduce you. You are a college professor at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Indeed. You um, are a Bible teacher. You have served on, in pastoral ministry. Um you and your precious wife have lots of kids who range in age from what to what? Uh, let's see. At last count, I think it's 11 to 22, but they keep having birthdays, and it is so hard to keep it's up not with 11, kids It's not birthdays. 11 kids. It's five kids no, no, no. who range in yeah. age from 11 to 22. But they do. They have birthdays, and then I'm like, uh, 15. I think that one's 15. I can't always tell for sure. <laughs> That one. I like how you point that out. That one. Okay. Right, right. So I, I know, Peter, you probably missed the conversation earlier about the pies. 
But um, we've been having an ongoing conversation here on the show about pies because my husband loves to make pies. Pies is a favorite dessert. And so at Thanksgiving, he was making pies because he's the pie maker because, I don't know, that requires like exact measuring and that is not my thing. So um, so he wanted to transport a pie. I didn't have any idea how we were going to do that safely. People here were like, dude, you need a pie basket. Like, that's a thing. Da, da, da. I didn't know I didn't know pie baskets were a thing. Come to find out the people in the Northeast have been hoarding the pie baskets. And now the word is out. And um, a friend, Paul, just texted in that, in fact, his wife was a Longaberger pie basket representative for 16 years. And she has hundreds. She has hundreds of them. And so I'm now trying to buy one. I'm just uh, saying. Understandably like, so. I don't. I mean, I, it's amazing the 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 people that God has gathered unto Himself during this hour of Christian radio is astounding, astounding. Like there's almost nothing that you could put out there that somebody wouldn't text in and be like, "Yeah, I'm an expert in that. I've got one of those." Hey, let me tell you how to do that. Like the body of Christ is at work right here, right now, and I just wanted to testify to that. I, Carmen, I love that. And, and here, but here's what I'm upset about is how many times have I transported a pie in my life, hoping against hope and all odds that it would stay it's, flat on the floor in the car, it, not no, knowing that, that there's yes. a pie transporter. It not, there was a whole, it was a industry. It, it was, I know you got to Google it. it Longer burger. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I love I, it. I know. All right. There you go. We oh, have other things. To talk about. Christmas lights, I Christmas love, lights. Yeah. I loved this story. I love this story about this community um, that hung up these Christmas lights. I, t- tell people this story because it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I love this story. You were talking about Christmas lights earlier, and, and I, I struggle with Christmas lights. They, for some reason, I don't put them back in the coiled-up kind of way that makes it easy to take out again. So they're always all tangled and everything. But by the time you get through the untangling process and get them hung up, they're, they're beautiful. I love just when whole neighborhoods are lit up with Christmas lights. But this is a story that the, the origin of which was last year in, in the heart of the lockdowns of COVID. There was a neighborhood on the East Coast in which uh, the, the neighbors got wind uh, of a young, I think it was a young mother who was struggling just with the lockdowns and, and being shut inside. And so one neighbor just decided to string up the Christmas lights kind of from their house to, to her house and, and tethered them together with Christmas lights. Well, uh, one thing led to another, and pretty soon the whole neighborhood was stringing up Christmas lights from house to house across the streets. I mean, the, the pictures are so funny. It almost looks like telephone wires, except it's Christmas lights that are going up and down and round and zigzagging across the neighborhood. And, and now this is year two of it, and they're they're taking coat hangers, at least they did last year. They took uh, coat hangers and bent them into certain letter shapes and then strung the lights around the letter shapes so that it was something to the effect of last year, love lives here. But but now this year, they're actually making sturdier uh, light holders. And so they're hanging up things like dream or believe. And the whole neighborhood is is just being lit up with Christmas lights and bringing people together. And I just thought, wow, this is what a beautiful story and how quickly people respond when somebody takes the initiative to do something that brings a bit of life or life or love into the world. People tend to, to follow. Hardly ever do people say, well, that's dumb. Most people decide to, to get on board, right? And they're like, this is great. And, and then pretty soon there's this snowballing effect. I think there's a lot to, to sort of wonder about with that because it was just a simple act. And yet, holy cow, did it blow up? It was great. Um, yeah, it literally only takes a spark. Like, right, this one person, and it's not like they were trying to start something. That's that's part of what I appreciate. They 
they were like, that person needs to feel connected. We want to do something tangible. What could we do? What do we have on hand that we could use to connect our house to their house so that she would feel connected to others? Hey, let's use this string of Christmas lights. And so literally from the corner of their house to the corner of her house, they just strung Christmas lights. And then, I mean, you guys got to check this out. I mean, I realize it's the WashingtonPost.com, but um, Christmas lights, Baltimore, I don't know. It's probably out there all over the place by now on social media. So it's just an incredible, beautiful witness and testimony to the desire that we have to be connected the small way you could just use something that you have on hand to connect with somebody who's disconnected and then just let God take it from there. I just, I love it. It's so great. Yep. All right. We have to take a break. I realize that it's at the point. We got lots more to cover right now. So, all right. Yes, we do. Because next we're going to talk about teenagers who built a bus shelter for a special needs um, kid. And it's just so great. All right. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Peter Kapsner, one of my, well, your favorite, absolute favorite, without question, uh, person who joins us on the show, and one of my favorite guests as well. <laughs> well, Carmen, you're one of my favorite hosts as well. See, this is just a mutual admiration society. Oh, I love so it. Silly. Okay, so um, CNN does this heroes thing, and and I feel like this is a this is a kid they missed in their list. Mm, so yeah, this teenager built a bus stop shelter for a five-year-old who's in a wheelchair to protect him from harsh weather while he is waiting for the bus. Tell people this story because it is amazing. No, it is a great story. So it's it's a young boy who was born with spina bifida and uh, and lost the ability to walk when he was about two years old and has been in a wheelchair, but his parents doing uh, what, what parents do and and uh, just rolling him down to the bottom of the driveway each day to get him into his first few days of school. And the, the weather, especially um, on the East Coast from, you know, October through February is going to be filled with wind and rain and sometimes snow. And they did the best they could to put up a pretty sizable umbrella at the bottom of the driveway, kind of attached to, I think, the edge of a fence or something. And yet it was not enough to obviously keep him and his nurse out of the elements. And so they contacted somebody who is is a construction engineer teacher of some kind who i just think must be the, that must be the coolest profession ever how how useful are you when you are a construction engineer teacher way more useful than me on so many different levels and uh, he donated his time and with his students time and supplies and materials it was about $900 and it, it ended up costing them and they built this i, I want to say it was 5 by 8 shelter that is nicer than any shed that i've seen and and it's this a plenty of space for the nurse and this young boy to just be at the bottom of the driveway waiting for the bus. Sometimes up to 15 minutes they have to wait because they obviously, if they're running late, they can't get down to the bus and just run down the driveway. So they get down pretty early and, and shaded against the elements. I, what a story, Carmen. And, and I've actually been talking to my young people in class about how we bear witness to the kingdom because evangelism for them is so often something that feels demoralizing. They don't want to necessarily go out to a mall or to a coffee shop and and share some paraphernalia or material or try to strike up a conversation with somebody they don't know. And I, I'm not disparaging that method. It just, it's, it's, it's a method, but it doesn't seem to be something that young people want to do so much anymore. And so we, we've been talking about the idea of, hey, if you had a friend in school that you knew was struggling, 20 or 30 of you show up at his hockey game if he's a hockey and just cheer wildly for him 
and then walk away. You don't have to say anything more than that. Just just do something absurdly nice that it, that just is so disruptively nice, like build a shed, um, tip your your server the exact same amount as your bill. Like just do stuff that is disruptively kind. Uh, and 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 it calls back to first century life, where the believers in the first century weren't trying to always transform Rome. They weren't trying to preach to Rome all the time. They just simply lived this absurd way of life together. And the people of Rome were, who are these people? And and they again then had the chance to tell the story about the fact that they're following Jesus and this is who they are, all of that. I just thought this story about the shed was so disruptively kind. And and I think that we can be come increasingly the, the disruptively kind people on all of these simple little ways. I think it'd be fun. If I was a construction engineer, I'd be building sheds all day long. I think it would just be brilliant. And there's so many different things that we can do like that that are simple and terribly empowering for anybody, really. Just whatever skill you have, you know, bring some pie traveling baskets in, in the studio and we'll start distributing, right? I mean, there's so many things that we can do like this. Okay. People listening are rich in pie baskets. The testimony, mm-hmm. the pie basket testimonies continue. I'm sure they do. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm, sure I'm, okay. I'm not alone so, in having tried to travel with pies and, and failing no. miserably at it. No, yeah. exactly. So Bobby's an Air Force mom. Um, we've, we've checked in with her from time to time. She's also an RN. So she normally works 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. So normally she's not listening, but she must be off today. And she confesses that she, too, has longer burger baskets. They are awesome, <laughs> especially the one that holds two pies. Well, and I just want to say, yes, that's the kind I now have, the two pie kind, the one that the, the pie sits pie. on the, that, when the there's a pie, you, you put a pie in the bottom and then there's this little shelf that sits over it. It has little <laughs> legs. It fits perfectly in the basket. It's designed for this purpose. And then you put another pie on top of that. I have... I haven't tested it yet, Peter. I'm going to test it when we take okay. pies to my stepdad. So, um, on Monday. So I'm going to. I will. Please, yeah. I will definitely in the new year have a report about the the pie transportation project. But I am so. I'm, I'm yeah. right. People are. Yeah. I like the. I like the way that you describe this as doing things that are just like insanely kind. Like just be audaciously yeah. kind. Not. You know what? Let's get. Let's get past. I mean, simple acts of kindness are great. But what if we did not non-simple acts of kindness? What if we did complicated right. acts of kindness? Like a few of those yeah. might be like raise some eyebrows. That's exactly right. I, I, I am that that phrase that you just said, insanely kind or disruptively kind. I mean, all of us get up and we go through our days and there's things that happen in our days. And, and in those days, it typically tends to be kind of routine and, and, and rightly so. But COVID disrupted us, right? And, and it caused us to ask so many different kinds of questions because it was this extrinsic thing that happened to us and disrupted hmm. Did he disappear? Yes, he did. Yep, he okay. did. All right, we're gonna um, we're gonna just take that as a sign that we have to bring that conversation to a close because we got to go to break point. Um, disruptive kindness. Let's be disruptively kind this Christmas. Uh, it is God who breaks into human reality in the person of Christ, and it was absolutely disruptively kind. We'll be right back. All right, we actually got Peter back because there's a couple of things I still need to report on. Um, There is a listener who says, hey, didn't Little Red Riding Hood have a pie in a basket? That is a great point. Boy, did we miss that boat, did we not? So during 
during the, the, the brief time away, I did a little research. In its original form, Little Red Riding Hood had a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. But Puritans thought that was naughty and so replaced it with pie and, of course, in a basket because where were they? Mm-hmm. New England. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The people yeah. of New England, they have cornered the pie basket market. Also, you're going to have to Google images for the Longaberger factory. Like their their corporate headquarters are shaped is shaped like a pie basket. The giant building is shaped like a pie basket. That I'm I, on the internet right now. It is. It, that is the it, coolest I, thing I okay, think I've ever seen. See if it's seen. for it's sale amazing. because apparently yes. one of our listeners said, "Hey, it was for sale for six and a half million dollars." Which is oh, a little more than what penny. I have in my. That's a little more than I have in my um, Christmas kitty. But <laughs> we can crowdfund um, though. We can crowdfund. We can do. But this. well, if if we're going to crowdfund something, let's crowdfund Faith Radio. That's fair. There you go. Okay. That's a, that is cool. my that is my unashamed segue into a hey, it's time for year end giving, right? Throw Absolutely. a little money into the basket that there could be pie in the new year. Not just pie, but, you know, the taste and see sweetness of Mornings with Carmen. And Peter Kapsner, who will be back in the new year. Will you not, sir? I mean, you know, God willing and the creek don't rise and all that stuff. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. No, love you guys and Merry Christmas to everybody. Love you too. And Merry, Merry Christmas. That is Dr. Peter Kapsner. And he will continue to grace us with his presence in the new year. Um, Lord willing. Hey, we got to take one more very brief pause here at the bottom of the hour. Um, When we come back, I'm going to share with you some of my favorite things. This is Max Locato. I love Christmas. Let the sleigh bells ring. Let the carolers sing. The more Santas, the merrier. The more trees, the better. I love Christmas. The tinsel on the clatter and waking up to see what was the matter. Bing and his tunes, Macy's balloons, mistletoe kisses, Santa Claus wishes, and favorite dishes, holiday snows, warm winter clothes, and Rudolph's red nose. I love Christmas. I love it because somewhere someone will ask the Christmas questions. What's the big deal about the baby in the manger? Who was he? And what does his birth have to do with me? The questioner may be a child looking at a front yard crash. He may be a soldier stationed far from home. She may be a young mom who, for the first time, holds a child on Christmas Eve. The Christmas season prompts questions, and may you find answers to yours. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. If Julie Andrews had known about the Longerberger pie basket, I believe it would have made the list. What do you think, Paul? Most likely. They are very cool. (laughs) All right, we're going to, I'm just going to share with you some of my favorite things about Christmas. We thought that on Christmas Eve, Eve, we would just spend a little time um, with each other thinking about the things for which we're grateful and thankful and be sure we're focused this time of year, not just on the right things, but focused in the right ways on those, um, on those things. So I'm going to read my list in reverse order, starting with number 10. I do love the traditions of Christmas. I do love the traditions of this time of year. Uh, For you, um, that might be an Advent candle uh, or calendar, Advent devotional, hanging the greens, driving around to look at Christmas lights, decorating a tree, 
praying for those who send us cards and then praying as we write cards back to them, um, putting out the pieces of the nativity and telling the particular portions of the Christmas story related to that character as we add them to the um, gingerbread houses, uh, Christmas cookies, hot chocolate, shopping for gifts, wrapping gifts. I actually love the process of wrapping gifts, um, exchanging gifts with others, going to see the Nutcracker. Maybe that's on your list. Hanging stockings, caroling, traveling to see family or hosting gatherings at your house, um, Christmas parties, taking some vacation, some time away, getting some needed rest. What are the traditions for which you are grateful and thankful this time of year? What makes your list of your favorite things? Number nine on my list is movies, and I'm not really a movie buff. And so for, uh, but but it is the time of year when we do a little movie watching at our house. And today is apparently Christmas movie marathon day. So maybe this is something you're doing today. Um, for me, no greater scene in all of uh, in all of Christmas movies. Well, two maybe when Grinch's heart gets so big. Right, I love that scene. But then I also love the scene in the Charlie Brown Christmas movie when Linus recites Luke two in answer to Charlie Brown's question, does anybody know the real meaning of Christmas? Um, I love that scene. Uh, Number eight on my list would be exchanging gifts. This all starts with the wise men showing up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, I think I shared yesterday or the day before, um, you need to read Isaiah chapter 60 and, you know, hunt, hunt in there for the reference to the bringing of the gold and the frankincense and note who brings it and from whence they come. And then recognize that the prophet Isaiah wrote that like 750 years or something before the birth of Christ. 750 years, you know, uh, prior to the birth of Christ, you know, is this prophetic note that they're going to bring gold and frankincense when they come uh, to meet the Savior of the world. It's just astounding. All right, so um, that's Psalm, or that's Isaiah 60. You might want to read that as you're thinking about the gifts that we exchange at Christmas, why we exchange gifts. It's, it's important and critical to recognize that we don't do it um, for some contemporary commercial reason. We do it because God wrapped the greatest gift ever given in human flesh. And so when you're wrapping your gifts, I want you to think about you know how, how the eternal coexistent second member of the Trinity condescended, somehow contained himself in human flesh, fully God and fully man. Number seven on my list is just the spirit of the season. And sometimes you'll hear it, you know, referred to as the Christmas spirit. You know, people just love the spirit this time of year. Um, We need to be clear and distinct about the Holy Spirit. And we need to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of Christmas, the Christ spirit, Christmas, the spirit of Christmas. Like, say it slowly and distinctly and, and even oddly to the hearing world, because when they hear Christmas, they don't hear Christ. And so when, when they hear spirit, they don't hear Holy Spirit or spirit of Christ. And when they hear spirit of Christmas, they don't hear spirit of Christ. And so let's be the people who say, hey, it was the spirit of the Lord who came upon Mary and overshadowed her that the child conceived within her would be holy. We're talking here about spiritual things. The spirit of the season um, only makes sense if we know the one who is the Spirit. Indeed, uh, the third member of the Trinity, coexistent, co-eternal, all those good things. All right, number six on my list, Oh, and we're just kind of sharing a list of our favorite things this Christmas. 
And I am on number six on my list, working backwards. Number 10, traditions. Number nine, movies. Number eight, gift exchange. Number seven, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the season. Number six is singing. I will tell you that I am kind of a traditional Christmas carol junkie. Like, I love the traditional Christmas hymns and the traditional Christmas carols. And yes, there are some new ones that I love as well. Um, We recently um, uh, featured a conversation. um, Yeah, help me out, Paul. The name of the gal that wrote, Lisa All You Unfaithful. Lisa Lisa Clow. Lisa Clow. We talked with Lisa Clow about, Oh, Come You all you unfaithful. It's just a beautiful, beautiful new um, Christmas song. What is your favorite Christmas carol? What do you love to sing this time of year? For me, it, it doesn't get any better than Oh Holy Night. Doesn't get any better than Oh Holy Night. Um, you know, the fact that we're a singing people and the fact that we sing collectively together, corporately, that's a pretty unusual thing. Like, you just think about that. Where else in the culture do people like get together and sing? Okay, people sing their um, their like one song at their college when their football team wins. But other than that, like, are there places and spaces where people collectively sing other than Christians? And do we sing at other times of the year other than Christmas? Congregational singing, collective singing, caroling, those are some of my... Uh, favorite things this time of year. All right, we're going to take one more very brief pause. When we come back, I'm going to share numbers five through one on my list of favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things about Christmas. What would be on your list of your favorite things? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Oh, come all you unfaithful come we can stay All right. Apparently the singing um, is something that makes everybody's list. Uh, Caroline says um, that she is appreciating watching Selah perform Light of the Stable. Jennifer says Oh Holy Night is her favorite as well. Um, lots uh, uh, Lots of folks weighing in on the lyrics of Christmas carols. Um, Mary also saying my favorite version of Oh Holy Night is Josh Groban. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So many incredible things out there. Um, Tomorrow, we're actually going to be reflecting on uh, the theology of some of the things we sing at Christmas. So look forward to that conversation on Christmas Eve. Number five on my list, by the way, uh, I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you're just joining us and Here on Christmas Eve Eve, I am sharing a few of my favorite things about Christmas. Um, And we have listed off, uh, starting with number 10, going backwards, Christmas traditions, movies, gift exchange, the spirit of the season, the Holy Spirit, um, and then singing. And so we arrive at number five. And number five on my list is joy. And I want to, again, I want to reclaim the substantial, not the circumstantial joy. Like as Christians, We are people who absolutely exhibit and manifest the joy um, of our salvation. Like, the joy of Christmas is the joy of salvation, that we understand who Jesus is. It's a substantial joy. Um, It's an unassailable joy. 
it's not a circumstantial joy. Uh, And so in that, we rejoice. Number four on my list is lights. And we talked a little bit with Peter Kapsner about Christmas lights and um, the way that folks use them as, as testimony. And I encourage you to consider that. Like, how are the lights that you put up a testimony? And when you turn them on, how is that a testimony against the darkness? How is the fact that um, Jesus came as the light of the world, um, you know, he's he shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, so says the Gospel of John. Um, what what does it mean for us to turn on the light in a dark world? Like people are living in great darkness. They were in the days of Isaiah. They were in the days of Jesus. And the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On them, light has shined. That is Jesus. That is Jesus. And so how do we as his um, disciples, um, the people who he turns and he says to his disciples, now you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. How are we the people of light? It's not just Buzz Lightyear, right? Like it's like you and I, we, we are, we are shine. We are the shiny ones. All right. So light is number four on my list. Number three on my list is simply the opportunity and openness um, that people have to the good news of great joy that's for all people. Like, people know they're walking in darkness. People know they need help, and it's going to have to come from the outside. They know they can't do it themselves. Um, and so there's an opportunity and an openness during this time of year at Christmas. Uh, I mean, people genuinely feel their aloneness, their loneliness. They genuinely feel the brokenness of their relationships. They genuinely feel um, the the pain and the depression and the darkness that prevails in their homes, in their families, in their minds, in our country, in the world. People know the depth of humanity's depravity. And there's an openness and an opportunity to share that Jesus Christ is indeed the good news of great joy for all people, including you, including you. Number two on my list of my favorite things at Christmas are the angels. I mean, when else do we give angels this much attention? Seriously. Like, this is when we talk about Gabriel. This is when we talk about the heavenly host. This is when we talk about what I suspect was the angel who could not contain, uh, could, could not contain himself and, like, blurted out to the shepherds, you gotta see this! Right? I know. <laughs> That just feels kind of unplanned. The whole proclamation to the shepherds, I'm sure it wasn't unplanned, but it just just feels a little unplanned. Um, And when else do we give angels this kind of attention? They are a very interesting part of God's created order. They are a part of what is um, most minutes, most hours, most days, most years, most of the time for eons, invisible. Invisible. But they're always present. Like, that is such an interesting, that's just an interesting thing to uh, to consider and think about. Angels we have heard on high, and we are very likely entertaining angels unaware. So I love angel, I love the fact that we pay some attention to angels. We're not bowing down to them. We are not regarding them as, as holy, but they are other, and they are present. Um, and so... Uh, let's uh, let's just recognize their presence and their power. 
Um, and then number one on my list, this won't surprise you, in terms of my favorite things about Christmas, this will not surprise you that my number one favorite thing about Christmas is Jesus. Like, right? It's like an actual Sunday school answer. What's number one on your list? Well, my, number one on my list is Jesus. Um, God incarnate. I mean, God in flesh. Fully God. Fully human. Emmanuel. God with us. You shall call his name Jesus. That's what the angel says to Mary. He shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, the name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The same Jesus that dies on the cross is the one born in the manger. Jesus is my favorite thing about Christmas. He is my wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, on him, the government is set because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. My favorite thing about Christmas? Jesus. Absolutely. And in the name and in the spirit of Jesus, I invite you to come. Come this Christmas to Bethlehem. See this thing that God has done. Not just for all of human history, not just for the people of Israel, not just for the first disciples, not just for people who you think are worthy of being saved, but for you. For you. Jesus is the good gift of God's grace wrapped in human flesh. For you, Jesus is the good news of great joy for all people, and that includes you. We're going to go tell it on the mountain. We're going to be the people who are, you know, empowered with the authority of Christ by the Spirit and go in the name of Christ to tell everybody else. But before we do that, we're going to get on our knees. And we're going to bow at a manger throne. And we're going to recognize that God did this for us. We'll be right back. All right, I don't know about you. I'm going to spend the next few days just adoring Jesus. Just adoring Jesus. Um, Come let us adore him. I mean, come let us adore him. He adores us. Like, that's what's going on at Christmas. God adores you. He adores you. He conceived of you in his wildest imagination, and then he formed you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the one who conceived of you. And he's the one who delivers you. And how does he deliver you? By sending his own son in human flesh. Jesus. Come let us adore the one who demonstrates that God adores us. God adores us so much that he sent his son. Yes, absolutely, born um, born a king. 
but born to die. I don't want us to forget that this Christmas or any Christmas. Amidst all of the trappings of the season, be sure you break away to find yourself kneeling before the cradle throne of our Christ. I will be right there alongside you, glorifying God, singing praises to him, bowing my knee with yours, acknowledging that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Kings, is born to save. Let's bow our knees and let's go tell it on the mountain. Merry Christmas and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.